MailChimp presents. As a marketer, you're speaking to a vast audience. Some people need to be converted into customers, some need to be reunited with their carts, and others have just made a purchase. But when you fail to segment your audience and personalize your messaging, you can get what's called a customer. One big cluster of customers who may seem alike, but actually all have different behaviors. So how do you turn those customers back into customers? With Intuit MailChimp, you can use personalization tools that segment customers into groups, break them up into like-minded target audiences, and send them personalized marketing. Intuit MailChimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. Availability of features and functionality vary by plan, which are subject to change. It's necessary for other people coming behind you to see what you've done. You know, you've changed the to landscape. Keep your legacy for sure. Yeah, uh, because no one's going to guard your shit no, they for aren't. you. you no, you're, you're a trailblazer. You've you've changed the map for women. So when I first met Courtney Love back in December 1995, backstage at a club in Boston, she quite unexpectedly but accurately called me out as a misanthrope to my face and has held my rapt attention ever since. Polarising, controversial, wildly intelligent and unapologetic, Courtney set the barometer against which all punk rock gods and goddesses will forever be judged. There's an authenticity in her delivery that few are able to touch, a rawness and a power that is so far removed from the studied and produced voices you hear on the radio today. Love her or loathe her, there's no denying that Courtney is a rare creature and it was an absolute thrill for me to be able to sit down and talk to her, not about her movie career or fashion or popular culture, but about what she does best, which is making music. The Jump is a podcast where I, Shirley Ann Manson, sit down with musicians and talk about the one song that changed everything. So listen, yeah, here we are. Oh, thanks for having me. I am delighted to have you. Thanks, Courtney Shirley. Shirley um, Manson. And I woke up this morning, and yeah. because I follow you on Instagram, as oh. you probably know, I saw that it was the 25th anniversary today of Live Through This. I saw that too. And I want to talk about music. Great. And I feel like when you're a woman in, in music, talking from my own experience, it so rarely happens that we get to be... Musicians. Musicians. For sure. Like, what was your first musical memory of where music really ignited you inside? I think, you know, it's pretty early, like... We would drive down, my mother and my stepfather, we would drive from Oregon to, like Eugene, Oregon, which is a big deadhead town, and we would drive into San Francisco, and there was a station, like a what would now be called a classic rock station, like what was then called an FM station, and it seemed to always and perpetually, I've grown into them now, but I didn't like them then, uh, play the doors. And I thought it was real rape man spooky music. Like, I didn't like Jim Morrison's dark charisma. Um, now I'm okay with it. I wasn't a fan of it then. 
but it would always be like Riders on the Storm and like spooky man music. Also, when I was growing up, Elton John was super like, I was going to marry him. And it was, yeah, right. But I wanted to be that archetype, you know, especially like Tiny Dancer. And like, I saw his last ever show in LA. He's He's incredible still. Incredible. Such a, such, and he's now my husband. But you like pop songs by the same I really did. You know, I loved ABBA's Waterloo. I think that's such a great song. I still think that's the best ABBA song possible. Winner of the Univision Song Contest. Waterloo, for sure. And then my stepfather would let me listen to Dr. Demento, which is like all the novelty songs. And it would be Sunday night. And it was such a treat to get to listen to because they would play a little new wave and a little punk as. The years got closer to 1980, 1979, 1976. And then also, you know, I'm 54, so I got to hear some more new wave stuff. Like, what was the first record you ever bought with your own money? A novelty song about Jaws. Like, yeah, like a shark novelty song, you know, if I'm honest. Also, ELO, Evil Woman. Oh, yeah. And then I got into The Runaways, and I heard Cherry Bomb. And it changed my fucking life, man. It I mean, that really makes sense. Did. And so then what, how, how did you get to become a musician? I I don't really understand because, you know, I, I read all the stories and there's a lot of like Plots mythology around and, it, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm just curious about actual little Courtney, how she... I wasn't cool first. I wasn't cool. Well, nobody's cool. But I get to the cool part of my mythology really fast. I like the fast. nerdy stuff. Give me the nerdy yeah, stuff. Yeah, Well, I did the nerdy stuff for longer than I put on. Which is kind of lame. Like, I put on that. Were you I in was, the school choir and no, none orchestra? Of that. Or? No. Did you play any instruments growing no, up? No, no, no. I mean, sometime when we, I went to New Zealand after my mother had moved there, someone got me a big fat guitar, but it had horrible action, big strings. I remember, you know, I could probably oh, play yeah, it now. Hands, yeah. Little hands and learning, like, hang down your head, Tom Dooley, right? Can't play it. I remember that big fucking guitar with those huge nylon strings. But did you want to be able to play Yes, it? very much. So you had a desire to I play I definitely it. had a big desire to play that damn song. And then when did you finally pick up a guitar to seriously learn it? At what age? Like years later. Um, nine, ten, eleven. And then I'm back in Portland at eleven. And I'm trying to learn more of a, a better acoustic that my stepfather had. And then I go back to Eugene, Oregon at 12 again, and then I get, start getting in horrible trouble, like yeah. juvie and shit. And you're still playing all this time. No, no. The Runaways, like, they, they had an influence on my lifestyle, but not my life. Right. I but you my, were always around musicians. You were always... It's no, I was around whores. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any difference? <laughs> yeah, because this was like lifestyle, drugs, prostitutes, you know, that kind of juvie lifestyle. And then I kind of married my lifestyle to musicians. That for a few years, I was just around prostitutes and was not one, thankfully, because I have enough trauma. But then I came down to L.A. And you became a professional musician, which is more or less the same thing. Same as a hooker, for sure. So this is a show about the moments in your music career where you found something specific that felt authentic to you. Right. And you picked Boys on the Radio. I did. From Celebrity Skin. I did, yeah. Radio. 
Like, what's different about this song, I guess, to the rest of the album? Why There must have been a reason why you specifically picked this it song. It deals with death. The other songs do too. You know, I just think this song is like, it pays its way. You know what I mean? It's like, the, it's not... Um, it's not filler. It sure isn't. Yeah. You know, none of the songs on that record are. Did you have a specific idea in mind? Or was this just sort of like free fall? I was just, I'm a huge Cheap Trick fan. I don't mean huge Stones fan, but they're very different things. Like Cheap Trick is kind of like going on a Beatles model. And the Stones is like going on a blues model. So I really wanted that album, Celebrity Skin, to be like hooky. But, you know, this song did have a lot of hooks in it. Well, and it's incredibly melodic. Yeah, it is. And kind of celestial sounding to me. Like, yeah, you know, you I come agree. in like an avenging angel to me and oh, sing that's this. Nice. Thanks, no, but Shirley. you know what I mean? That's what it feels like to me. You know, being that this is the 25th anniversary of right, Through today. This. And then this was the next record we heard from you. Right. Did you gain more confidence as a musician on your own terms between these two records? I could play guitar much better. And sing better? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I knew what uh, effects I wanted more. Were you more confident because of the outrageous success you'd enjoyed? I mean, I, yeah. I can't imagine. And my I liked my body better. I ate much more healthy. And your life changed so much. Right, I mean, in four years. In unfathomable ways. Yeah. I mean, you were absolutely one of the most famous women in the world at this First, time. Yes, a lot happens. For instance, I get real bougie. I star in a real big movie, The People versus Larry Flint. And I started dating Edward Norton from The People versus Larry Flint. And he's like really sweet to me and like from Yale and stuff. And it's a whole other world he comes from. I mean, so your record this... company, though, I'm assuming, try and pull you into the studio. No, no, I wanted to you go. You wanted to go. No, there's no like. You whole... make it in LA, right? Yeah, Conway, and it was really expensive. It was you... at the height of the '90s, though. Literally, I mean, yeah. where people were spending, spending, and yeah. records were selling. Yeah. Can you remember where you wrote it? I know that I wrote a lot of it. Because, oh, we were in a car going to an, uh, some gala or something, and there had been a run of songs that were really about me on karaoke by men. And, like, not a, all of them were people I had dated. Like, they weren't date songs. They were, like, nasty, some of them. And Edward was like, all those songs can't be about you. I'm like, they are. So, you so I wrote this song in, in it kind of return. And you have a very specific vision, I'm assuming, when you go into the studio, correct? I do, I do. Are your vocals always the last to go on? No. In this case of Celebrity Skin, um, I did a lot of vocals, but the weird part of that is we only use my guide vocals in the end anyway. And I knew the guide vocals were right. It was the one thing I knew and I was 100% confident in was those guides were like, heaven sent, they were great. It's like In Utero with Steve Albini, with Kurt, like all the guide vocals were what were used, but Albini actually didn't make Kurt uh, do them twice. 
does singing stress you out at all? Like, do you get performance anxiety? No, I never. Don't. Yeah, sometimes a little. Because I, I think as a singer, it can be really intimidating when really? you know that people are listening and you know that it's your chance to get things right. Right. I can. It takes me a while sometimes to warm up. Do it, you change words when you're in? Like, if you if a bit, a bit, not much. I didn't change the concept of the words. I just changed like ash to ashes yeah. and shit like that. But yeah, no, I didn't change Depending the structure. Depending on how they sound to you when you're in the room. Yeah. And also the release in the moment, that's what I do the best, I think. And, you know, the things that I do best are things that I, I guess I'm supposed to enjoy that God gave me or the Buddha gave me. And, yeah, I'm going to enjoy them because these are the things that I have that are my gifts. Knowing you, that they're clearly your words, you yeah, know? Yeah. Do you mind reading some of the lyrics? Yeah, let's see. Let's see what we have. Uh, do what you want, because I'll do anything, and I'll take the blame. What's mine is yours, and you can have it all, and I'll learn to play. Oh, the boys on the radio, they crash and burn. You know, this is obviously some Kurt stuff, too. They fold and fade so slow. In your endless summer night, I'll be on the other side. When you're beautiful and dying, all the world that you've denied. When the water is too deep, you can close your eyes and really sleep tonight. Yeah, I think... And they're beautiful lyrics, no? They're pretty good, yeah. Do I you think, still feel good about them now? Yeah, I think this is nice on the page. And um, what are you trying to do when you sing? release my shit I guess not my shit release my tension release my my you know my hurt release my pain I mean I guess that's the reason that I am good at them and you enjoy it I try to because I can't understand why they're there otherwise it's simple you know I'm a simple girl I like potatoes and why do you and like hamburger why <laughs> and the replacements <laughs> Why do you like to write? I mean, do you get a specific pleasure out of actually writing words? Yeah. But Why? I, you know, in the last few years, I've wondered if I have anything to say anymore. And that's a really gnarly place to be. You know, I'm 54. Do I have anything to say? And then I'm listening to Nina Simone and like, well, she had something to say. She sure did. You know? And like, you know, you st I start... To feel like I have something to say for my community. When I listened to it last night, because I know that record inside out. Oh, yeah. I hadn't listened to it in a while. And I, I was listening to it. And I got the, I'm getting the goosebumps now, oh, actually, talking so about it. I'm not trying to be sweet. I'm not particularly sweet. Uh -huh. I'm being sincere. Um, but it felt powerful and incredibly vulnerable at the same time. Oh, wow. Which is how you strike me anyway. Every time I see you, you feel all that to me. Oh, that's so nice. Which I think is what some people don't understand about you is this incredible... Fragility is the wrong word because you're not fragile. But there's a vulnerability about you, I think. In this fierce... I see you scrunching your wee nose up, but there's something in that song that I feel is very... How you seem to stride through life. You know, kind of going back to what you asked me about, which is how did it begin for me as a musician? That early formative 
beginning with the juvie and the hookers. And, you know, it's like I really swim through a lot of mud to get to a guitar. You know, I fight through a lot of really horrible shit. How do you think you've changed? I think I'm less tough. I think I'm more delicate in a way now. I think that I'm letting people close to me see that. You know, like, I'm less like, let's go beat him up. You know, and more like, I'm, I need to sleep as long as I possibly can. And what's the ambition with, with music? Just keep making it and they'll keep showing up. That's as much as we can do in this lifetime. Amen to that. Courtney. Amen. Thank Shirley you Manson. so much. I love you. I love you too, baby. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. Next week on The Jump, Karen O. People think like, oh yeah, it's ballsy to perform like a punk rock song and be like, oh, no, it's, not. it's not at all. It's like, it's like, it's like <laughs> what's ballsy is like, is like the vulnerability, you know? The Jump is an original series from MailChimp, and I'm your host, Shirley Manson. It's produced in partnership with Little Everywhere, executive produced by Dan Gallucci, Jane Marie, and Rushi K. Shearway. Original music composed by Rushi K. Shearway. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts.